This is the Realm of Agape Christian Church. He has won the victory. We thank God for that song because it speaks the sentiments of our curricular journey here to four. We're in the spiritual maturity series. I want to talk to you today about what it means to plead the blood. What it means to plead the blood. Oftentimes we are tossed about with certain vernacular and vocabulary, jargon, figures of speech, which we are privy to in the culture that we are brought up in. I'm speaking subculturally, the church that we belong to, most oftentimes a charismatic Pentecostal type church, any church that has some kind of charismatic move of the Holy Spirit will speak and utter certain vernacular of such proportion, which reaches in a spiritual maturity to have the weaponry necessary in the spiritual realm to get certain things done that will advance God's kingdom. But uh, oftentimes we don't understand what we are saying. Sometimes it is just discounted and sometimes miscarriaged into some type of a quasi kind of a superstition, if you will, words that we trust but don't know of the power in the spirit that they should be attached to. We're going to be in Revelation 12, 11, and 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4. Both scriptures I'll read to your hearing from the New uh, Language Translation, the NLT version. Revelation 12, 11, and 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4. Father God, add the dimension of wisdom, which we want to be astute in and aspire towards. And I pray, Father God, that your spirit, which is the only spirit, the Holy Spirit, the part of the Godhead that is the revealer of the truth, will come now and bless us in this assembly that we will have what we need in an understanding and all our getting, get an understanding Walk in the knowledge of the truth and not just kind of hear about it, but dive right on in and let the Lord do what he came to do in our lives and help us to walk therein in the light and power of God's plan. We know you're able, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Revelation 12, 11 says, and they have defeated him, defeated the enemy, you know, the accuser of the brethren who goes tattletailing on us for stuff he calls us to trip up on. He's that tattletale. Uh, we could defeat him by what? The blood of the lamb. And by our testimony, we are supposed to be uh, partakers of the truth, walking in the knowledge, not ever learning, but never coming into the knowledge of the truth. We, we should have an intimate relationship with the one and true living God. That's what that testimony is. Not just words we heard and know how to say, but something that we went through and we know that we know that we know. Amen. It says he also that, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. So you should be so in Jesus, no matter what, come what may, for God I live and for God I die. Not many have been born again into that. Many have 
a soulish realm kind of camaraderie to agree with certain things in the word, especially blessings and such but not the transforming power of God coming in and touching us in such a way wherein now we are changed into who God would have us to be. Until you have that power of God working in you, you cannot attain towards this level of testimony. Revelation 12, 11, my God. Look at 2 Corinthians now, the explanation of certain things that we are speaking about. The letter that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 and 4, it is just a piece of the letter, but it's what we need. And it says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. Thank God for that scripture. You see, the devil has his little henchman going around spreading gossip instead of the gospel. He has doctrines of devils. He uses seducing spirits to pull us when we're not formed and shaped in God's holiness, but yet still formed and shaped in iniquity. But having certain vernacular learned and having, you know, the camaraderie of certain clubhouses, I mean, modern day churches, wherein we can go and have fun the way we would like. We shop around until we find the center, the spiritual religious center that is going to tickle our fancies and allow us to be comfortable yet, oh, should I say this old fashioned word, in our sin? My God. But we want the power to be able to rebuke the enemy that we are befriending. Before I go any further, let us recall what we are speaking on. What it means to plead the blood. Now, depending on where you grew up or what church you attend, you may or may not uh, have heard of someone, quote unquote, pleading the blood. I want to speak on this truth In honor of one of our fallen heroes, but he yet lives in glory, the late Pastor Jack Williams Hayford, born on June 25, uh, 1934. He just went on with the Lord this past January 8th of this year, an astute teacher. I've quoted him often throughout my pastoral career. He's written hundreds of songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. One hymn called Majesty, a lot of churches sing that. And he's an astute Bible teacher. And there are uh, Bibles which he has helped to write with great commentary. Uh, So I want to bring this teaching because he's one of my dads in the gospel. Thank God for in the spirit, I knew him, but didn't know him personally. Amen. But he has helped me to render this teaching to you today. Let us, amen, enjoy the counsel of such great people of God to help us understand that there are certain things we say, but these things should be attached to maturity in the Lord. People of God, the Holy Spirit does want us to mature, amen. So let's look at this phrase, pleading the blood. Um, This phrase refers to the blood that Jesus shed when he was where? On the cross, right? 
And now this blood covers our sin. It covers us because it paid a price. This word pleading, let's look at it the way we ought to look at it. Not that we are begging for something, no. I beg and plead for your sympathy because it means that much to me. No, we're not talking about the temptations and other kinds of songs, men singing to women. No, Uh, we're pleading in a legal sense. It's a legal term, which means to make an heartfelt uh, appeal to someone or to something. When you say you are pleading the blood, you are declaring the power that Jesus has over Satan and all of his schemes. It is unfortunate that so many prosperity preachers are misusing this phrase, pleading the blood, and they are trying to call in riches and glory. You ought to be the best you you can be, and God wants you to have the bling bling. The people of God shouldn't be sick. They should be walking around with bling bling and be the mightiest people. You are the head and not the tail, you know. They just cherry picking through the Bible to help us feel good about ourselves. My God, this is what they do. But God is letting us reminisce through the scriptures that a lot of these modern day prosperity gospel preachers are throwing away. But we're going to the Old Testament scriptures. We're not supposed to throw them away. In the Old Testament scriptures, we find the um, religious experience of the people of God, wherein they had to now make it into one of their services to remember what God brought them out of. It's called the Passover. Now, this is the foundation of our understanding about the power of the blood of Jesus. All sacrifice that proceeds after that And the Mosaic system is founded on this principle. Through the blood of sacrifice, there is deliverance, protection, and a God-provided future. We got to look at those. Deliverance, protection, and a God-provided future. Amen. This prophetic word picture, Passover, was fulfilled in who? The person of Jesus. Amen. Jesus had not officially begun his earthly ministry, but when appearing before the waters of baptism, John the baptizer uh, announced him as he was led by the Holy Spirit. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's who he had been talking about all along. And then finally, towards the waning part of his preaching evangelistic career, he sees his cousin, yes, coming through, an earthly cousin, my God, but heavenly uh, leader, <laughs> nonetheless, there in John 1, he said that everyone present understood the implication of John's words, but it was difficult for them to come to terms with the idea that the Messiah, who is the king, you know, is also the sacrifice Really? He's supposed to lose his life? Who is the Lamb of God? John was raising a signal, not only to that day, but also for all history. When we deal with the subject of the blood, we are not dealing with some gory residue of ancient human superstition. No. And we could be pretty superstitious, can we? Mm -hmm. 
When we talk about the blood of Christ, we are dealing with that which the scriptures refer to as the divine, almighty power of God's grace to address human sin, human need, human failure, and human bondage. Its value is related to the incalculable price of human liberty from the bondage of spiritual torment. We're born and shaped in iniquity, and that's torment, baby. The devil would have us stay there. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You come in me, I'm going to make sure that you have life the way you ought to have it. And it's a supernatural life. That's the abundant life. That's what they mean. It's supernatural. You can walk in me and be saved from impending doom. That's the gospel message. Amen. The blood of Jesus is the central uh, economic factor. See, it's an economic kind of word, too. It's legal and economic. So it has that economic factor in all human order. And where there's human disorder, this brings order, the heavenly order. God makes us to walk in order of his will. Uh, so central is it that the Bible reveals how Christ's blood will establish the origin of our praise forever. If you take away what the blood is and what it did, you would take away basically all of our songs. Pleading the blood, what is it? When we talk about pleading the blood of Jesus, we are not talking about begging, pleading the blood, begging for the blood. You know, uh, pleading the blood should not be considered a desperate kind of exercise. God is, uh, he has not called us to come begging before him. Many of us were raised in an environment where we hear the words, Father God, we come under the blood of Jesus or something like this. Lord, we cover this matter with the blood of Jesus and such like that. We, we may not have understood it and some still don't, but we believe what? In the power of the blood because we believe that Jesus is who? The son of God and that the cross was the instrument of global redemption, which broke what? The power of hell. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the Lord's church. Amen. Pleading the blood of Jesus is not the superstitious application of a magic formula of words. No, it is not. Rather, it is a spiritual dynamic uh, and it should be applied. We can have it and not know how to use it. It's like a little kid having a gun. Go ahead and shoot. I don't know what to do with it. You know, the power of the blood of Jesus is greater than both the energy of our own humanity and that of uh, our adversary. The power that saves is also the power that releases, delivers, and neutralizes the strategic operations of hell and the weaknesses of our flesh, too. The devil thrives on that. He doesn't play fair. He finds our weakness and he will appropriate it. My God, uh, let's speak on appropriation. Now, we can appropriate or personally use the power of the blood in tough situations. The devil knows that, but he does not want us to understand how to use it against him. For we will be able to beat him. My God. Uh, but every believer should know and understand and employ the power of the blood of Jesus. It's important that we understand the reason for the words we use so they do not become just a simple formula. Otherwise, one of two things will happen. 
Either what we say becomes a superstitious exercise in which we are depending on the words rather than on the understanding that gives the words their power, see. Or some people will not use words related to the blood of Jesus because they don't understand the spiritual dynamic, leaving them without a a resource that they so desperately need. Let's touch on the Passover in case we forgot. Most of us are familiar with this story of Israel's deliverance from the last plague of Egypt uh, in which the firstborn of every family was doomed to die. Remember, the Israelites were instructed by God to place the blood of the lamb on what? Their doorposts and what else? Their lentils. Posts and lentils. Look at that. It's making the shape of what? The cross. Amen. They were to do that. So that the plague of God's judgment would do what? Pass over their houses. My God. Quote, now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague will not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations, end quote. From Exodus 12, 13 and 14, God also instructed his people to memorialize and celebrate the Passover in generations to come. They were to teach their children and their children's children and keep going. Every generation should teach, my God. So as believers in Jesus Christ, there's a parallel here because we are in the family of Abraham, amen. God has grafted us in. As believers in Jesus Christ, we can look at four things which took place in that ancient event that have unmistakable direct application to us today as people of God. Four things. You ready? The first one is the blood provides protection. Number two, the blood provides a means of deliverance. Three, the blood provides the promise of a new day. Four, the blood provides a witness. We're going to touch on these and be done. The blood provides protections. Let's see what that is all about. Amen. Just a few little notes here. First, the blood provides what? Protection. With regard to the plagues, God was not dealing vindictively, but how? Redemptively. There's a difference. He's not a God of being vindictive like so many of us are on this earth. We're going to get people back, aren't we? God said, no, a vengeance is mine. I am the Lord. I will repay. He does not want us being like that. He is redemptive. He has a way prescribed that's a way of safety and protection. But if we decide to use our free will and go outside of that, we put doom on ourselves. God is trying to redeem. Redemption is also implicating some financial kind of covering. And God paid the price for our sin. He redeems us with his own blood. Did God bleed? Yes, he had to come in as a human to bleed, but he bled. Amen. 
and then he could take said blood and make it change in a moment in a twinkle of an eye and put it eternally on the eternal altar. And it's all efficacious blood will seal us till the day of redemption when he comes and cracks the sky and takes us out of here. He's not going to come on a humble beast, but on a white horse. Amen. He's going to have redeemer and Lord all written all across his garments. Amen. God is almighty. His name is Jesus. He's our creator and protector. He's the leader of the armies of heaven. Yehovah Sabaoth, thank God. He's not just a little baby in uh, the manger, but he's king of kings, the king of glory. He's my protector. Hallelujah. People like provider, they want stuff, but I want them to protect me. Hallelujah. From hurt, harm, and danger. Protect my mind from being demonic. Protect my ways from being unholy. Protect my steps from going in the wrong place. Protect, protect, protect. Thank God. And look at how he did it in the ancient day to initiate this process of the prophetic phrase, plead the blood. He was seeking to bring two million people out of slavery. The Lord's directive to take a lamb into the house for four days, turning it into a beloved pet first, a pet of the family before it was slain. You build a love and camaraderie for it. You care for it. You love it. It was laden with emotion. See, God was teaching a lesson that there is a high and painful price in order for redemption to take place. As much affection as the family had for the little lamb, nothing compares to the heart of God who so loved the world, who gave his only begotten son, the lamb of God. Still, this act, which was required by God of his people, demonstrated more than the casual or indifferent attitude that can be so characteristic of human beings. Imagine the blood being drained from the lamb's small carcass and put into a basin. Then, with the brush of reeds, the slapping of the blood upon the side posts and on the lintel overhead, No one on that side of Calvary could have imagined that it was more than an umbrella over the door as it dripped down. But we see from this side, amen, where we are in history, a picture of the cross of ultimate redemption. The Lord, our Savior, was providing a way, amen, and he says he is that way. But he was providing a way not only for Israel's protection on that particular occasion in ancient history, but also for the ultimate protection of all humankind from the judgment of death that is upon everyone that we're born and shaped with. Everyone, unless we come under the protective cover of what? The blood. Jesus died for us. But do we make good of that which he did? We have to walk in it, accept him humbly, and be glad in it. Let him teach us. Are we willing to be taught? Are we willing to obey him? Oh, I already said some words that are curse words to the modern world. Obey? Oh, what is that? I'm reminded of Yul Brenner when he was playing as though he was Pharaoh, and Moses said, you must hear God's word and obey. And he said, obey? <laughs> Moses, Moses. <laughs> Uh, 
That's how we are to the spirit of God. God is saying, obey. Amen. The prerequisite of being able to uh, uh, resist the devil and he flee is what? Submit, therefore, to God. Submit. That's a curse word today. Submit. What? What is all this submission talk? No, no, no. I will not subscribe to such things. But Jesus is saying, drink my blood and eat my body, my God. And what he's saying is you have to come to grips with what I did in the spiritual realm. There's legalities. There is uh, also uh, redemption. There's an economy that I took care of in the spiritual world. The spiritual world is more real than our natural world. Our natural world has what's in it because of what happened in the spiritual world and what happens in the spiritual world. You heard the scripture. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. For what? The pulling down of strongholds. And these strongholds are thoughts in our mind. And we come to grips with certain covenantal things that we are uh, casually uh, just submitted to because they're comfortable. We're familiar with them. But God wakes us up with his gracious glory and says, that's the wrong way. That's going to lead to eternal damnation. Come out of that. He lets us know that we've been duped. My God... Sin is going to, amen, cause us to have an enjoyment for a little time, but then be damned forever. But God is showing us that we need to have some distasteful moments here for a little bit so we can have eternal joy and bliss with him and glory forever. God flips the script. We need to go the way of God. And say no to the devil, no to the secular humanistic world, no to our own flesh, my God. And go the way of God. Let him transform us, redeem us. He wants to be that protection. Yes, he does. Hallelujah. Look at number two. The blood provides a means of deliverance. By the blood of the lamb, there came the breaking of the yoke of Pharaoh's strength to retain them. And God's covenant people were released from bondage literally overnight. They didn't have to do covert ops and all of that. They were able to walk right out there in broad daylight and we're leaving and they had to give them what they needed for the journey. Isn't that something? It was a miracle by every measure and has become the central point of worship to this day in Jewish tradition. Every time you and I come to the Lord's table, we celebrate uh, Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God. Uh, The same thing that the Passover Lamb provided, two things, protection and what? Deliverance. We need God's hand of protection away from the enemy's power so he can deliver us. He's Lord and what? Savior. Lord, he's going to protect the Savior. He's going to pull us out of stuff and deliver us, hallelujah, from the slavery of sin. Look at number three. The blood provides the promise of a new day. Oh, we want a new day. The Lord makes the Passover an important beginning point. Uh, quote, this month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you, end quote, from Exodus 12, 2. Our children will ask about it. It relates to future generations. He's saying that what happens through this blood is going to open the door to a new day for you. Like Israel, 
You may be right now at what seems to be the end of your own hope in certain things in your life. Amen. Many of us have that. Uh, we are putting our hands up. We don't know, what, you know how we're going to get out of this and how we're going to get out of that. I don't see how we're going to get through this. But God is saying he's our hope and our strength. I wish we could have the faith of one blind Bartimaeus, my God, by the side of the road begging, and he was blind and couldn't see. Many of us are claiming spiritual blindness when we allow the devil to talk us into this. I don't know how we're going to see our way out. I can't see how we're going to do this. We can't see. We became blind. But Jesus wants to wipe that, those scales off of our eyes and help us to have good courage. And amen, throw caution to the wind and let God be God and stop putting him in a little box that we live in and let God be God. He's almighty. He can pull us out of things. He can shut the mouth of lions, my God, overnight and let us use them as pillows. Yes, he can. He can, amen, throw off the hotness of the flame and we won't even smell like the fire that we have been thrown into. God can do it. Hallelujah. I don't care if that wall of an ocean is right there in your way. God will split it. Make the ground be dry. And you walk on through to the other side. God can do it. God will prevail. He provides a promise of a new day. Yes, he will. He gives us fresh hope. There's fresh hope of protection and deliverance. And it's in the blood. Amen. Because he did what he had to do for us to have that opportunity. And we make good of the opportunity. Amen. The last thing is that in number four, the blood provides a witness. As the blood was put over the door in the ancient day, it was a testimony that there was a place of safety for anybody who wanted to come in, you know, from the circle of death. Uh, the record of scripture is that there were even some Egyptians who came into the realm of safety. Seeing the power of the God who had already visited fierce judgments upon their land, they believed that he was the God of all. And they fled into the Jewish households, left and right, coming in. And they became brothers and sisters of faith. Amen. How is the blood as it's expressed in your home, in your life? Wherever you go, are you witnessing this blood to the world who so desperately needs it? My God, people should have a clue that you have some kind of hold on something better. You seem to have a better covenant, and I want some of that. My God, but the Holy Ghost needs to be submitted to so we could do the whole thing. There's a process that has to take place in our life. We can't skip around it to get to the goodies. You got to be born. Hallelujah. Babies don't just come out. They have to go through C-section or natural birth. One or the two, but they got to come out. Amen. And birth is a painful thing. My God, kids come out laughing and shouting. No, they come out crying. My God, pain. My God. And if they're not crying, they get smacked so they can cry. My God, Yes, we got to be birthed. Uh, it's a travailing effort. 
Travailing is not something that's so comfortable and cozy. We got to go through the rites of passage. And I remember Frederick Douglass said, without any struggle, there will be no progress. We got to go through some struggles sometimes. Hallelujah. He was a slave. He had many stripes on his back to prove it. But then he was able to be free and become a spokesperson. God needs us to be free from sin and begin to speak the oracles of God as we are led by his spirit. Testify. We're overcome by the blood of the lamb and the what words of our testimony. Hallelujah. The blood provides a witness. Are you a witness? This is not a reference about religious pictures on the wall, but something that people can sense of the spirit of the living God because the blood of Jesus covers your household. They don't come in your house and see pictures of Jesus and that's what makes it. No, that's not the testimony. It's your life. I don't care what you got hanging on the wall. If your life is a piece of junk, that's what they're going to see. My God, I don't care how beautiful the pictures are on the wall. My God, you got to live this thing. It has to transform you by the renewing of your mind. God has to do a new thing. His finger of power must touch you and cause a transformation. Hallelujah. It provides a witness that invites folk from outside to come out of the circle of death and come into the safety of the Lord's will. For Israel, there was a risk in putting the blood over the outside of their doors. Just imagine what the mockers might have said. Today, our world has no more value than Pharaoh had for the things that fill God's people with hope, faith, and release unto life. Pharaoh did not believe in their God. I know that God, I know not your God that I should fear him. Pharaoh was proud about it. We're not people who simply make recitations of creeds. I hope that's not what we're doing. Telling people what we believe and not even attached to it. My God. We're people uh, who have tasted of a power, and that power, having come into our lives, is to penetrate our homes, too. There shouldn't be one gospel at church and a different one at home, my God. One word, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One pastor, hallelujah. (laughs) It is the power of the blood that protects, that delivers, that opens a new day. And that becomes a witness and an invitation to others. There is an abiding presence of power in the blood of Jesus all the time in every situation in which we will apply it. We got to apply it, though. What's the sense of having a gun and not using it? My God, we are not practicing or promoting superstition, which is unjustified belief. We are functioning in the realm of the supernatural, the Lord's supernatural, the abundant life that God's promise provides for us. Because it's invisible, it ought not to be seen as anything less real than the power that moved through Egypt that very night uh, when the Egyptian army was slain. The next day, there was nobody who thought the people who put the blood on their houses were just superstitious. I bet you that. They knew those people had penetrated a realm of divine power that had insulated them from the forces of darkness and death in the land. This is what we mean by what? Pleading the blood of Jesus. And let's take this thought home in case you missed it. 
pleading the blood of Jesus, that means we are what? Laying claim to the body of evidence. In court, they better have a what? Body of evidence, which will bring people beyond a what? Reasonable doubt. My God, faith is the opposite of doubting. God brings us out, what? Without a doubt. Pleading the blood of Jesus is a heaven-given resource that grants us a license to stand in dominion over the works of hell. And we know about the works of hell. We should hate the devil. So many of us haven't come to hate the devil. We're scared to have hate in our heart. That kind of hate you do need in your heart. I hate sin. We should hate sin. And who made it? Who's the father of all that confusion and lies and such? The devil. But so many times we are enamored by things of the devil. We become, oh God, complacent in the things of God and bring in all kind of breaches in uh, our character and cracks where the devil can come right on in. My God, and we welcome him and he has a welcome mat. My God, looks bigger than the one for God at times. And we allow him to have a cozy spot right there in the den, in the basement, everywhere, even in our bedrooms. My God, and especially our car and our job. My God, a little cubicle at work. We got the devil everywhere we go. My God, but the old saint said, take the Lord right along with you. What? Everywhere you go, not the devil. We're supposed to be using uh, the Lord as our attorney. He's our attorney. Yes, he is. We can use this blood in the same sense, like an attorney that stands before the court and makes a what? A plea. Or in other words, a claim on what kind of grounds? Legal grounds based on a body of evidence. Jesus is our evidence. That's all we need. That's our testimony. Jesus was, amen, uh, crucified. He died. He rose. And we have power over death, over sin. We have power, but we got, but we got to walk in it. Hallelujah. When you and I come before the court of heaven and in every circumstance we face in life, we have the legal right through the blood of Jesus Christ to enter a plea and to lay claim to the evidence, which is his slain body, his shed blood on that cross, which is proven to neutralize the power of sin. Aren't you tired of sin wreaking havoc in your life? Don't you want it neutralized? What about the power of affliction? Don't you want it neutralized? Hallelujah. What about the power of death? You need it neutralized, God Almighty. What about the power of hell all around you? We want it what? Neutralized. It is to that I make my plea when I plead the blood of Jesus. Whether I face demonic, physical, or personal attack, condemnation, or the temptation to sin, I'm going to what? Plead the blood of Jesus. Some temptation's going to come. You better start what? Pleading. The blood of Jesus. You get personally attacked because of your righteousness in God. You better what? Plead. The blood of Jesus, you can sense all kind of demonic activity around you, around your home, but you better do what? Plead the blood 
of Jesus. There is no circumstance in life to which the blood of Jesus isn't key to God's releasing, protecting, resolving power, whether it's removing the potential of confusion, overcoming the impact of rebellion, which we see so prevalent in our modern society, especially in our churches, my God. Breaking the torment of fear. So many Christians living in fear, but we should be living in faith. Or the shame of the past. Why don't we get over our past by being delivered from it, and then we could have a real testimony of faith that God brought me out. What? Without a doubt. Hallelujah. And when you plead the blood for real, you could come out without a doubt. When we plead the blood, we are to do so in the understanding sense with the firepower of the supernatural and on the basis of the body of evidence that through the blood of Jesus Christ, all hell has been broken in its power. All sin has been neutralized. The power of death overwhelms and every human need paid for once and for all. Hallelujah. Let's stand and give God a praise. Hallelujah. As we begin to plead the blood. We of the realm of Agape Christian Church pray that the Holy Word of God has richly blessed your soul. To send prayer requests, Use the contacts page of our website, www.roagape.org. We need your continued prayers and financial support to maintain this ministry. You can also find a secure means of donating on our website. God bless you.